sponsored by Amazon. Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook co-author Rachel Bade. It's Thursday, November 9th. We've got a scoop for you this morning in Playbook. The Biden administration is drawing a new red line in the sand when it comes to security aid for Israel and Ukraine. The short of it? No Ukraine aid, no Israel funding. A White House source told our colleague Eugene Daniels last night that the Biden administration, quote, will not accept a standalone Israel-only bill that fails to demonstrate America's commitment to standing up to Putin and his brutal aggression, and that doesn't provide urgently needed humanitarian assistance. In short, any Israel aid bill that fails to include this money for Ukraine is going to be a no-go for the White House. But the big story last night was obviously the Republican debate in Miami. And joining me to discuss it all this morning is our political correspondent and author of the recast, Bracton Booker, who is on the ground in Miami. Good morning, Bracton. Good morning. So, who do you think won the debate last night? I, I, I have to say, I think the moderators actually won the debate. Of the three that we've had so far, this was the most substantive. And because they limited the the back and forth of candidates having the ability to respond every time their name was invoked, it cut out a lot of the noise that we had been seeing in the other debates. So the candidates actually got to get their points across. And the moderators seem to have very limited patience for a lot of retorts from Vivek Ramaswamy, from Chris Christie, and sometimes from Ron DeSantis. So it really felt like the moderators, moderators could get a lot more questions in. But if you want to go and look at the candidates, look, I, I think Nikki Haley continued her trend on setting herself apart from the rest of her counterparts on the stage. I think she, Ron DeSantis, had a, a pretty good performance too. And I think the two of them have really separated themselves from the pack of the other folks that uh, appear on the stage, not named Trump, obviously, who has the the big lead in this Republican field right now. Now, in terms of Haley and ha- her having a good night, I totally agree with you. There were a number of pretty sharp clapbacks that she had when Vivek Ramaswamy came Ooh, after her. Wee. Yeah, I mean, like, Worthy. he, what, a, a couple stand out in my mind, her calling, him calling her Dick Cheney in three-inch heels, and then her saying, excuse me, they're five inches, which, by the way, damn, <laughs> I could barely walk in five-inch heels. Uh, I don't think I can walk in three-inch heels. And then there was this one that people are still talking about on Twitter, where Vivek Ramaswamy noted that that uh, her daughter actually used TikTok when she was a critic of yeah. TikTok. And she said she basically went all Will Smith on him. Keep my daughter's name out of your voice. You are just scum. Quite amazing. Do, you, do moments oof, like that help candidates, oof. do you think? Look, I don't know if they help candidates, honestly. But I mean, look, I think any mention on social media that goes beyond the debate, because I, I think less and less viewers are watching these debates. So if those moments can live on on social media, if those are the moments that the that folks are talking about, if that gets played in the morning on on morning shows, I think that helps. But there were audible groans from the debate center this time when Ramaswamy was going in on Nikki Haley, especially when he was calling out her daughter and talking about you need to basically manage your own home if you if you want to go here, right? If you want to, and that is number one. I, I think it's really difficult to to have that conversation when you're seeing. A man talk to a woman like that. Personally, you know, I, I cover a lot of racial issues and having two people of color going on an attack like that on a stage is also pretty cringe. But I don't see where Ramaswamy wins any votes. I don't see where you see Ramaswamy getting another bump, another consideration for, from voters who are like, you know, 
I just haven't decided which way to go. Is it Trump? I don't know if I like Trump, but maybe I will give any one of these candidates that are on stage some consideration. I just don't see how Ramaswamy is making any headway in that regard. So, you know, he was definitely going on his kamikaze mission today. He was going after uh, Ronald McDaniel about her losing streak since becoming the head of the, the GOP, which I know is not going <laughs> to endear him much to, to many folks who are within the RNC. But, you know, he, he while he does have a point, there, there are tactful ways to go about doing that. And it does not seem like he exhibits any tact when he wants to go on the attack. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the people that really like him also love Trump. So they're going to go for the man himself. And in terms of it, the attacks, I mean, you're right, not just Ron McDaniel, but going after the moderators, going after the media. Right. And then, you know, there was a lot of foreign policy conversation, obviously, given what's happening in the world right now. And his comments on Ukraine were, were really quite something and stood out. I mean, he said to frame this as sort of a battle of good or evil, don't buy it. Ukraine is not a paragon of democracy. Pretty much the only person who was making that argument up there. But just to sort of move on here, like, do you think he was the, the biggest loser of the debate? What did you make of Tim Scott? Well, I mean, that would be, the, for me, the biggest loser of the debate because nothing he said really broke through. And he, we, we think about him as kind of being the last one in on this debate stage, right? He was the last one to really clear uh, all of the thresholds. And we know that the threshold is going to uh, increase when we get around to the December debate that is uh, scheduled for December 6th in Tuscaloosa. So it is not clear that he did anything to really increase his standing. And and if you really think about it, a lot of his answers were very long-winded. There were points where it seemed like the, the moderators were even giving him second and third chances to answer some questions, and he just, he never stuck the landing. These debates are not good forms for him. He hasn't really had to debate anybody in his rise in the Senate, right? He's won pretty easily in his Senate runs, but also when you see him on the campaign trail, how he endears himself to crowds in Iowa, you know, to some extent in New Hampshire, they're all town halls. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely talked to people in Iowa who really like him, and a lot of them who do like him, it's because of a one-on-one -on -one exchange they had with him on the trail, not yes, something they saw on TV. exactly. Was there anything that surprised you? One thing that, that really surprised me is, like, this... Haley Christie Alliance, they seem to be in agreement on the Ukraine issue. They seem to be in agreement on, on some level on where the party should be going on abortion and not being so strict on like, what, what are the limits that we need to set as, as a party? So it, it really was interesting to see, because they were standing next to each other, like seeing this alliance starting to form of, you know, these statesmen, if you will, against these these somewhat upstarts in, in Ramaswamy and 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 DeSantis, and not so much Tim Scott, because I don't. I, again, I, it's really hard to figure out where to place Tim Scott. But seeing that the Haley Christie alliance was was really surprising. Yeah. No. One other thing I wanted to add: uh, the alliance you pointed out about uh, the alliance between Haley and Chris Christie. Also on social security, mm -hmm. I think that conversation was really interesting to me because I always think about Republicans being the party that is, you know, touting and, and uh, lecturing right. fiscal, you know, responsibility and we got to tackle the, the debt and the deficit and, you know, entitlements. Some of them are going to be running dry in a decade, sometimes some of them less. And they were pretty much the only two on stage who talked about raising the retirement age and everyone else sort of took the populist wing of the party, which is saying, you know, we're not going to we're not going to cut benefits for seniors, et cetera. So that was that was also interesting. Do you 
one other thing, well, two other things. Um, one, abortion. I mean, we just had an election earlier this week, and the overwhelming takeaway was that abortion is just as potent of an issue as it was, you know, during the midterms. And I guess I was looking to see if we saw we definitely didn't see major changes, but there did seem to be a little more tiptoeing on this issue by some of the candidates. I don't know. What, what did you make of the abortion conversation, which weirdly didn't happen until after an hour and 40 minutes into this debate? I think the, the Republicans are still reeling from the fact that they can't seem to get a win in any of the states that abortion comes up post the fall of Roe. And that's sort of like we talked about Ramaswamy going kind of kamikaze. Like he was certainly the one that brought it up. But um, at, at the at the beginning and again, reeling against uh, Ronna McDaniel, but also saying we have become the party of losers. But I, I think this issue is so personal for uh, a lot of people in the country. And we're seeing that even Republican voters are saying, like, look, it's one thing to feel personally about an issue, but don't take the rights away from folks. Uh, and that's, I think, the point that Nikki Haley was trying to say. Like, she said she is very pro-life and she does not hold it against people if they are pro-choice. And I feel like a lot of the country is actually in that space, but it's not popular for Republicans because Republicans want to take a stand on where that abortion uh, date starts. They want to ban it. So like, it's a very difficult conversation because it's actually two conversations that are going on. It's one that is a debate within the Republican Party, and there's a other debate that's playing out in America, and voters are speaking with their votes, and it's not matching up with what the Republicans are, are trying to sell at this point. Yeah, not at all. Last question for you. Do you think last night did anything to narrow the field? Narrow the field? Like in a, in a meaningful way? No. I mean, a lot of people who don't want Trump to be the nominee are saying, okay, hopefully they'll rally around one Trump alternative, not five. <laughs> I guess I'm wondering, do you think we're going to see people start to to coalesce behind one of these candidates, whether it's Haley, whether it's probably just probably not DeSantis, but I mean, I don't know. Like what, what do probably you think? Probably not, but look, look, DeSantis is still hanging on more than we've given him credit for. Like he's not certainly in the commanding position of second position, but he hasn't faded away completely. And I do think he has gotten stronger. So like, like I said, I, I think Haley and DeSantis have really emerged as the, the actual alternatives to Trump. Like, do I think the Republican party who voters who are not wanting Trump to be the nominee are going to suddenly break for either one of these two? No, I do not think so. Not in with the perceived weak position that Joe Biden is in. But another thing, like what we saw with the elections this week is that all these narratives about Joe Biden being a drag on the party have not really materialized yet. So I think Republicans are starting to just read some of the tea leaves and trying to figure out what is the, the strategy here. Okay. Well, hey, Bracton, thanks so much for joining us and hope you get maybe a second to run to the beach in Miami. <laughs> I hope so too. Thank you. And for the rest of your schedule today, the House and Senate are in. Congress has five legislative days left, including today, until the federal government's six-week stopgap funding bill runs out of money, leaving Washington once again vulnerable to a shutdown. And meanwhile, President Biden will be traveling to Illinois, where he's going to be meeting with UAW auto workers and union president Sean Fain, as well as Governor J.B. Prickster. I'm Rachel Bade. Thanks for listening. For over 23 years, Amazon has partnered with small and medium-sized businesses, connecting local entrepreneurs with customers globally 
and breaking down barriers to growth. In 2022 alone, small and medium-sized businesses made up more than 60% of sales in Amazon's store. Learn more at aboutamazon.com.